Inconceivable. 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 Inconceivable? Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inconceivable. <laughs> so mean. We have we're back. Another episode. Inconceivable. We have story. You have story. I have the story. The story. Like these the goat of all stories. I have a story that I really like. That I've wanted to do for a while. I feel like I I, I try to do a balance, right? Like I don't want to do too many of too many stories that are similar or of a similar theme. Um, but it's very easy to find stories that have like a sort of survival theme. And this is one I've wanted to do for a while. And for some reason, I keep forgetting to do it until later in the season after I've already done another survival story. But at this point, I'm just like, whatever. I think I want to do it. We as humans are kind of captivated by the idea of survival stories. Like, we love hearing about the stories of like a woman who lifts a car to save her baby, right? Like, yeah, there you go. This idea of humans overcoming mm-hmm. challenges that, on the surface, seem impossible, in- or you know, you could say inconceivable. <laughs> you know, it's the name of the show. Right. Get with the program. Oh, I'm sorry. I will get with the program. Jeez, <laughs> Anyways, I've wanted to do it for a while, so now I'm going to do it. Do it. You, yeah. You're a strong, independent and woman. Plus, do it. I promised an inspiring, more uplifting story this week, and I will not disappoint. You did. It's, it's been a bit of a downer the last... Uh... Well, the thing is, a lot of the interesting stories I've been finding lately have just been, like, they're unfortunate and they don't necessarily end well, but they're interesting, which is weird. It's weird that we would find things interesting that... And you're like not on a high note. You're talking to the history major here. <laughs> Half of what I study is, and then person A died. Yeah. Let's look at their legacy or something like that. True. Anyway, uplifting. Here we come. You ready? This one's good. It's a good one. Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right. And a lot of listeners might have heard of this, even you, maybe. But we're still gonna revisit it because I like it. Alright, we've just been told. My story today, for this week, is about Juliana Kopka. The name does not ring a bell, but I'm not great with names. I mean, good start though. Good start. Sounds familiar. Yay. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to guess when this story takes place? Uh, what was the name? Juliana Kopka. What do I want to guess when the, when the story takes place? I'm trying to make a joke. It takes place in the 70s. Like, 90% of my stories. Oh. 70s. And, you, and I think I've said it before. Do you want to know the reason I think all weird yes, shit happened in the 70s? Yes. It's because everyone was high off their Except freaking rocker. This one, we cannot blame on people being high. I can. see. The collective weed smoke in the air polluted the entire oh, nation. Lord. Snoop Dogg would have been (laughs) proud. Pretty sure that's actually how he was born. He rose out of the mist. I see. May I continue? Yeah, go ahead. So anyway, Juliana was born in 1954 to Maria and Hans. 
Um, and her parents had a cool job. They worked for the Museum of Natural History, but the one in Lima, Peru. That is cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I feel like if my career falls, I, a museum would be an interesting place to work. It's not like my first choice, but like I, f- I feel it could be fun. It sounds neat. It'd be really neat to be able to say, oh yeah, my parents work at the museum. Of natural history. Just saying. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Anyway, so when she was 14, they decided to leave the city and set up an ecological uh, research station in the Amazon rainforest. And this I'm excited about because we haven't really talked about the Amazon rainforest since our very first episode, season one. Oh, yeah. Or, I guess, Colombian rainforest, but, like, it's all one forest, right? It, if there's I'm a, it's, not mistaken. There's a bunch of trees. If I'm not mistaken, it's um, one big forest that's attached. Some of the trees remember. have been cut down. Like, it's a thing. Anyway, forest. Large forest. Even if it's not the same forest, it's a large forest. Yay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> these these stories are exciting. Anyway, so um, for two years she was homeschooled while her parents were taking her on research trips with them. Because um, they had to go to their research station and establish it and do research, right? Yeah, I mean, that's generally um, what you do. So, but she learned a lot of things that are going to be helpful later. So she, like, can identify plants, animals, insects. She learned a few survival tips. All these things. Um, and she was familiar with the forest, which isn't... So helpful in the sense that you know your way around because it's just too big. But it's just, it would be a somewhat familiar environment in a way. Okay. Right? Like, okay, anyway. I I I don't know where I was going with that. No, no, I get what you're saying. She's developed a certain set of skills. Like, it it just might be different than if the same thing happened to a teenager who grew up and spent their entire life in, like, New York City. The same thing happened to me. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm so gonna die here. <laughs> anyway. Lovely. So anyway, apparently educational authorities, whatever that means. Government. Disapproved of the fact that she was being homeschooled this way. Uh, I don't know why they get a say in it, but anyway. She returned Government. to Lima to finish high school. There's a lot of rules. Especially, like, depending on where you are, like... With, with schools and education. I know in most nations there's a um, an age which you are expected to. And I know that in some places you have truancy laws. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we do where we are. Like, you can get court systems involved to make sure kids are going to school. But I know in other places... Like, I heard a story about a kid in California whose parents got a notice that uh, they were he was getting charged or they were getting charged. Or something under truancy for missing I'm, three days of online school, which was I, a grand total of an hour and a half. Okay, yes. But I am confused because aren't there quite a few people who are homeschooled? I just don't... Yes, but maybe you have to be, like, there's very strict rules about it. I, okay. I don't know the particulars, anyway, but... Let's not go into a huge you know, segue about this. I just, I found it weird that educational authorities get to just decide she's no longer homeschooled. Anyway. Whatever. Um, so at the point where the story begins, it is 1971 and she is 17 years old. Okay. Julianne. And Julianne. Her mother wanted to take her to visit her father for Christmas. Um, so they were headed to the research station. Um, and they ended up leaving on December 24th. 
Christmas Eve? Yes. Um, which is important because they might have left earlier. That was actually the plan, but apparently Juliana had some sort of school dance on the 22nd and then a graduation on the 23rd, which I found very weird. That's apparently they, Yeah, apparently they don't have um, Christmas break or winter break, I suppose, because it's, not everyone celebrates Christmas, but... You know, you'd think you'd, they'd have a, a winter break. Yeah, we do it in um, our school systems. They start on like the eighteenth to twentieth. Yeah, first. It's usually, usually a few days before. Anyway, just thought it was weird, but in any case, they ended up leaving on the twenty fourth, which is unfortunate because usually it's quite busy. Yeah. So they get to the airport and everything is booked, obviously, um, except for one airline that had a very very poor safety record. Eh. Yeah. There's a very long, complicated name that I didn't write down because I know I won't be able to pronounce it properly, but um, the acronym is LANSA, LANSA Airline, um, but it's like, it's a short version of something longer. LANSA, like spell it out like L-A-N-S-A? I believe so. LANSA Airlines. I believe. Longitudinal but Air Services. No, Wait. it was like... This is in Peru, so it was, like, oh. probably in a different language Le- that Qua- I can't pronounce. Peru? What do they speak in Peru? Is it Spanish? I think so. Les aeroplane. Okay, you're going to offend a lot of people to stop. <laughs> um, anyway, it's not important to the story, but if you want to know what airline, it's, it should be fairly easy to find out if you look up her name. Look for the one um, with the poorest Yelp review? <laughs> there you go. Poor safety record. <laughs> to the point where Hans had actually warned... Um, the Mother Maria, not to use that airline because of their safety record, but um, because they wanted to get to him, they just did it anyway. I get you don't want to spend Christmas by yourself, but maybe just wait till Boxing Day. I suppose. Uh, like it, you know. It would have made. It's hard to say. It's hard to say what you would have chosen in the moment. I think most people say to themselves, "Yeah, it doesn't have a great safety record," but. Even then, what are the chances of a plane going down or something? Mila, so, do you want to be part of the the podcast? Oh, hi. You want to see something? Oh, really? What? Wait, what? Hey, hey, pumpernickel. What makes you say that? You yeah. gonna say hi to your fans? Mila, say hi. There you go. Okay, I'm gonna move you because your butt is currently brushing up against our microphone. All right, little fan service, if anyone is a fan of Mila. Um, <laughs> she give Mila her on Twitter. All right, oh get Lord. out of here. Okay, so anyway. <clears throat> the first half of the flight was actually, like, normal. Um, obviously, because, like, even then, like I said, the chances of planes having issues are actually quite slim. Your chance of, yeah, getting into a plane accident compared to, like, a car accident is yeah. vastly Or a train Train, yeah. Very slim. Um, anyway, so the second half is where they were having issues. So there was a big thunderstorm, um, which I don't know, like, I obviously am not a pilot. I don't know how easy it is to just, like, avoid a storm. Like, do you have to take a huge detour and fly around it? Do you have to, like, land somewhere and wait it out? I don't really know how that works. Um, I, I know that sometimes pilots will circle around... If there's a bad storm and the fuel allows it, yeah, like just outside of where the limits are, if the storm is covering the airport, yeah, but yeah, for longer like, flights, I'm not sure. Anyway, like I, all I know is that there was a storm. I don't know how pilots should have reacted, 
but I do know that the crew felt pressured to meet the holiday schedule, so they kind of just flew straight into it. <laughs> yeah. To the eye of the storm. Yeah, they flew into the thunderstorm. I like it. Uh, so, dipped heat equals turbulence equals plane not having a fun time. What? To begin with. So, on top of this, then, it is a thunderstorm. So, a lightning strike, then, ignites the fuel tank, creates a literal hole in the plane, and, um, at this point, Juliana recalls her mother saying, quote, that's the end. It's all over. <laughs> Listen, at least the mother's being honest. Yeah. Like, like you get some mothers that'll be like, it's going to be okay, sweet pea. She turns to her kid and says, nah, we're fucked. The, uh, like. Like, honestly, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a literal hole in the plane. I'm pretty sure I would say something similar to that. If my kid was over the age of like 16, I'd be like, well, Johnny. I'd be like, I mean, there's always hope, but I'm going to grab your hand and say I love you right now. Yeah. Because we're probably going to die. Yeah. It's been a hell of a ride. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's funny because they're riding in a plane and it's been a hell of a ride. A literal hell. What? You need help. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um... So, the plane, um, like, basically, like, disintegrated. Um, two miles above the ground, still. Disinte- when you say disintegrate, like, all I'm like, picturing is Voldemort fell- at the end of Harry Potter. No, just- like, fell apart in pieces. And okay. And was two miles above the earth, and so fell to earth in pieces. It rapidly disassembled in anticipation of its recycling. What? I don't know. I don't know either. Just, no idea what you're saying. I, anyway, I'm tired. Um, so obviously now she is two miles above the earth and falling in a plane that is ripped apart. So Juliana is coming in and out of consciousness, on and off. Um, eventually she's on the ground and realizes that she's on the ground, but she's still in and out of consciousness for what. They are estimating to be 19 hours. 19 hours? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. So, um, the first time where she kind of regains consciousness for an actual period of time, like where she doesn't just keep fading in and out, Yeah. Um, is when it's the morning. She's in the rainforest and she recognizes that and she sees that it's morning. Um, and so... She just kind of starts her self-assessment like any person would do in this situation, right? So she just kind of is moving her limbs a bit and seeing what she's capable of doing. Like, can she move? Can she sit up? Yeah. And, like, just slowly working it, it around. Is anything broken? Um, can yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, so she does her assessment. She finds a gash on her arm, quite a large gash, apparently. Um, her right eye is swollen shut. Um, and she's not in a great situation because she's wearing this, like, sleeveless mini dress and she has one of her slippers or sandals or whatever it is still on. Um, yeah. Okay. Our our other cat decided to climb, uh, Scoff's chair like a cat tree. He does this all the time. I'll be working on the computer and he'll just climb up the back of the chair and like perch himself 
which on this chair is particularly impressive. Um, so, yeah, she does her self-assessment. Um, she realizes that her watch still works and that it says 9 a.m. Okay. So, thankfully, she at least knows what time it is. Yes. Um, but there is a small thing that sucks, which is... Did, oh, my God. Did what is he doing? Did knock off Baby Yoda? <gasps> knocked off Baby Yoda! Grogu is not happy with your shit, cat. Oh, fucked up you did. <laughs> Little bitch. A lot of, you have to believe a lot of my profanity this episode. Um, all of our episodes in- involve you swearing in some fashion. Oh, awesome. <laughs> the cat just knocked over a pen. Okay. <laughs> this is going great. Um, <clears throat> there's another unfortunate thing. She is nearsighted and she has lost her glasses. Oh. And depending on how nearsighted she is, I am very nearsighted. The first thing I do in the morning is put in my contacts because without contacts or glasses, I am quite blind. Yeah, your eyes are garbage. Yeah. Like. So if she's anything like me, this would actually be quite cumbersome. Yeah. But if it's like a bit nearsighted, like you need them to kind of like read a screen a little bit ways away, then maybe it's doable. But yeah, just worth mentioning, because that would make what she does over the rest of the story, the course of the rest of the story, it makes it a bit more impressive if you consider how hard it might have been without so, being able to see. So she's in a sleeveless dress with one shoe, a gash in her forearm, and no glasses. Yeah. And she just survived falling out of a plane. Yeah, and one of her eyes is swollen shut, and one too, of her eyes I might is swollen add. Shut. So even less sight available to her. Yeah. So yeah. There's that. That is what she's able to determine from doing her self-assessment. Oh. Otherwise, she feels okay, and I, I don't think I wrote it down, but she is able to, like, with a bit of a wobbly start, she can stand up. Yeah, okay, well, at least she can move. Yeah, so she can move. She's mobile. Um, her, her mom's plane seat landed next to hers, but is empty. Oh. So she kind of just goes into survival mode and says, okay, I'm on my own. Yeah. I'm probably going to die, but let's do my best to... um. You know, do my best to make it through this, because I'm alive right now. I mean, you know, the, the, the threat and fear of death is no reason to put a damper on your spirits. You gotta um, get yeah. out there. Do, exactly. Yeah. You she, get it. She uses what she has learned, and she kicks into survival mode and tries to be hopeful, I think, about the situation. Um, so she... Um, starts by drinking raindrops on leaves. Good plan. Um, because first step is be hydrated. Ooh. <laughs> Our cat just farted. <laughs> yes, I was trying to stay silent about it. That's not something our listeners I, want to hear. I, I can't stay silent about it, dear God. Um, yeah. <laughs> our, our cats are trying to tell us it's not time to record right now. <laughs> anyway... Um, Juliana heard planes overhead, so they were obviously searching for the the wreckage. Yeah. Um, but the canopy of the Amazon rainforest is way too dense. Um, and they, I mean, she couldn't be found, obviously. Uh, so, she went into the forest, and this is genius. She threw the one shoe she had left several feet ahead of her before she walked. Because she knew that snakes can camouflage as dry leaves, and they can jump out at you. Uh, and see, like, 
I would never have thought to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd like if this was me, my and I'm going to say this before I know what she does, so it doesn't influence my decision. If this was me, I think my first order of business would either be, if possible, to try to climb a tree, just to look around, and to see if there's a source of water nearby. Then you risk falling out of the tree. I though. know, and it's it's a gamble. But see, I wouldn't have even thought about chucking the shoe. My, I, I would have been, okay, let's try to get to a source of water. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, they kind of disprove it. It can't just follow a source of water and find civilization automatically, but... But that's your best chance. It's my best chance. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> so, that is what she starts to do first. Um, and then she manages to find just one thing from the plane which is nearby, which happened to be a bag of candy. Oh. Yay her. So she starts eating that right away, but she is smart enough to conserve some of it. Yeah. For later. Well, that makes sense. You gotta keep your sugar levels up, right? You need energy. Yeah, yeah. Like, sugar might not be the best for long-term survival, but it's gonna give you a bit of energy. A little short burst. Yeah. Um, so... So she... There were difficulties, besides the obvious. The terrain in the Amazon rainforest is pretty uneven and rough. It's not one of those forests that really has a ton of, like, trails or gets trekked through a lot. So it's very rough and very wild. Um, But she did follow the basic thing that you should follow, which is to find water, which she did. Um, Which was just a small creek, but she knew that you follow it and it leads to, like, a bigger river, and then it leads to a bigger river, and then it might possibly lead, lead to some sort of place, like settlement or people. Yeah, there's always the fear that a village could be, like, two miles to the other direction the other that direction. you're walking. Yeah. But I, st- I still feel like a river is your best choice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so all, all that she had with her was candy and water, because, unfortunately, there wasn't any fruit. It was the rainy season. Um, and she knows from her parents and their research and whatnot that a lot of the plants are poisonous. And so unless, like, you know exactly what they look like, you don't want to risk, you know, trying to eat plants or roots. Um, and the weather obviously is very harsh. It's sweltering, humid, and rainy in the day, and then it just gets super cold, and she's in this mini dress. It would suck. Oh, the weather outside is crappy. And the forest is very snappy. Funny you with say the snappy. Snakes and what other things live in the animal? Insects. With the snakes and bugs, ho! It's fucking sucks. It's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's getting attacked by insects, um, which doesn't sound too bad. You're like, oh yeah, mosquitoes. There's gonna be mosquitoes. Well, it's worse than mosquitoes. I and I hate mosquitoes as is. Um, yeah, flies laid their eggs in her arm wound. Oh! Yeah. I... And she couldn't squeeze them out, so she was worried, genuinely, at this point, she was gonna lose her arm. Could she have, like, ripped off the bottom portion of her dress and wrapped it around her wound? She might have been able to, but I don't think it would have been too effective. Um, I don't know. She might have tried it. But even then, even if you're wrapping it without something to clean it out. Yeah, it would just be to try to keep out as much insects. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, So eventually, she's wandering 
Um, she can hear vultures, so she knows that there has to be evidence of the crash nearby, because we all know that vultures tend to hang around bodies. Yeah, they, yeah. what's the term for that? They are scavengers? Uh, no, there's a term for this kind of animal. They're not, um, it's a specific term for animals that prefer to feast on dead things. Lazy. I can't. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so yeah, here is where I'm going to give my disclaimer. We know it's a survival story. It's going to be a bit intense, maybe gross or traumatic for some people. So just keep that in mind as I read this next part, because um, as you might have been guessing, she now stumbles across some of the crush. So you know, maybe stop eating dinner. If you're uh, eating right putting now. Putting the food. Yeah. Um, so this is where she stumbles across the crash. Um, and obviously the plane was in pieces, so she doesn't find everything and everyone, but she did find a row of seats that still had all of the bodies strapped inside. Oof. Yeah. Um, and she could see that they had fallen from a crazy height and very fast because their seats were buried two feet in the dirt. So imagine when the plane came apart, yeah, certain seats obviously came out earlier. Yeah. Hers must have been one of the last to fall. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, like they were buried two feet in the dirt, which just gives you an idea of how hard the impact must have been when it hit. Um, But yeah, um, so that obviously must have been really hard for her. And she even had to check one of the bodies, which was a female body, to make sure it wasn't her mom, which it wasn't. It was not. Um, but that would be really hard to do. That would be very hard to do. Because I, I have a feeling I'd be pretty squeamish. I might just retch at the sight of a body, you know, let alone have to go near it or try and see if it's somebody I know. I think I'd be okay. <laughs> I don't think I... I, I yeah, wouldn't retch, of course. I'd be devastated, I but... I, could. I don't think I could. Um, oh, excuse me. Anyway, so... Yeah, sucks. And then on December 28th, her watch stopped working, so then she didn't have any... So wait, how long has she been in the floor? December 28th. 28th, and their plane was on the 3rd. So five days. Their plane was on the 24th. Or 24th, so. 24th. 24th. Yeah, so four days. Um, so... Anyway, so she, she couldn't keep track of time at this point. She obviously found out later about how much time had passed, but um, she couldn't after her watch stopped working, so she was just kind of keeping track as best she could with the actual days passing. Yeah. But I'll get to why it, it's a bit more complicated than you think of it later on. Um, so by the fifth or sixth day, um, she heard the call of, I think I'm going to pronounce this right, Hotsin subtropical bird. Or Watson? I, I don't know. Sure, sounds correct to me. Um, it's a bird, and she recognized the call of that bird, a very specific bird that is always near water. Mm. So she tried to follow that call and then made it to the bank of a large river, thankfully. Um, so, as you said, it's not always a perfect system. She didn't find sign of any humans or, or settlement or something, um, but she was on the river so her best chance was to stay near it and yeah. try and find somebody or something. Um, so it's, you know, the trees and the bushes and everything can get pretty thick around the water too. So it's hard sometimes to walk around the edge. 
She ended up having to wade through shallow water quite a few times, even a bit deeper. Um, and this in and of itself was pretty hard on her, just like emotionally thinking about what could happen because she had stingrays, piranhas, and caimans to worry about. So I don't think it'd be a fun time wading through water just being like, okay, please don't eat me, please don't eat me, please don't eat me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're kind of, like, screwed both ways, because you've got all those in the water. If you go up on land, there's, okay, there's snakes, there's a ton of insects, and who knows yeah. what else. Yeah. You're yeah. kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I I don't claim to know much, but I have actually recently, for reasons I won't get into, I've learned a little bit about the Amazon rainforest, and what I do know is I never want to be trapped there ever because of the sheer amount of things that can hurt you. Or make you very ill that exist there. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. We, we be city folk. We stay in the city. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, at a certain point, like, she's, you know, wading through the water during the days and then sleeping on the bank um, at night. And at one point she wakes up with this sharp back pain and realizes that all the time she's spent wading in the water has caused it to reflect the sun off of her back. And now she has a horrible sunburn. Oof. So bad that it is bleeding. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good times. So, here's where it gets even more intense, and this is what I meant when I said it was hard for her to keep track of time after her watchdog working. She, at this point, starts having hallucinations. Okay. Thinks that she sees houses when she doesn't, thinks that she hears chickens nearby. Like, it becomes... She became kind of, I don't know what, what the proper word is for it. but Delusional? Like, or is it delirious? Like, delirious. Um, but, like, when you just, it's, you're you're dealing with a, such an intense situation, you're thirsty, you're hungry. I think delirious sounds Like, right. you have, you know, a wound that has fly eggs in it, and, like, you know, all this stuff is causing her to not be able to, yeah. to focus or think straight. Um I'm not going to lie, when you said she was losing track of days, like, it was hard to tell time, I originally thought it was going to be because of um, the tree canopy. Oh, that's how much sunlight actually gets mm. to the bottom of it. Yeah, that's but very true. that makes sense if you're experiencing <clears throat> those kind of hallucinations. Yeah. You know, either due to infection or water or the trauma. And I'm sure the days would be blurring together. Like, in our everyday lives, it's easy to say, how can you ever lose track of time? But it's because we have schedules, like, we know when it's a weekday, we know when it's a work day. Oh, over we... the summer and the pandemic? Yes, when exactly. we were working, I, I had days where I'd be like, is today Monday? Like, like, is it the 10th? I can't remember. Yeah. So that's, I think that's exactly what happens when you don't have that routine. Excuse me. So, anyway, um, now we arrive at the 10th day. The 10th day. She's been alone in the Amazon jungle for 10 days. It's a long time. Happy um, New Year. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> January 2nd. I guess. Happy New Year. Anyway, um, so she, at this point, is using the logs to kind of float down the river because she just doesn't have the energy. Um, she ends up on a bank and very thankfully sees a boat there. Oh. She doesn't see people, um, but she sees the boat and she at first thinks, oh, I want to take that boat. But then she's like, well, why is the boat here? Yeah. There's no people. So she finds, like, a small path, which, in her mind, she's saying if it's a path, then it leads somewhere, because otherwise, you know, why is it here? 
I mean, that yeah. makes sense. I would assume some more things. Um, yeah, so she took the small path. It took her a really long time, apparently, to get up the hill because of how exhausted she was. Um, but she found this tiny little hut with a palm leaf roof. So she knows there's people because there's a hut. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's no one around right now. She finds a few things around the hut, um, including gasoline, which she pours on her wounds. Um, which is a trick that her dad taught her. Oh, okay. I was about to say why. Um, and the gasoline, thankfully, drew out a mess of maggots from her uh, arm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Maggots don't like gasoline either. Yeah. No one likes gasoline. No one likes gasoline. So, fun fact! If you have fly eggs or maggots in your arm, and you have nothing else around, gasoline. Um, oh. yeah. So it's gross, but it helped. So... Yay. Um, she waited for people to come from a forest path. So there's the path leading up from the bank. And then there's another path that kind of goes off into the forest. Okay. And so she was expecting people to come from the forest at that point, um, And nobody showed up. So she spent the night there at the hut. Um, I think from what I remember, the floor of the hut was actually really hard. So she ended up just sort of sleeping on the sand outside still. But... Like, she stayed by the hut. Yeah. Um, the next day, she tried to catch frogs to eat. That's how desperate she was to eat. Um, but thankfully, she was too slow for them. And the reason I say thankfully... Poisonous. Poisonous. Um, yeah. See? That's why I don't eat frog legs. There are, there are frogs. I'm trying to remember the actual fact. There are frogs in the Amazon rainforest that are so poisonous that it's like, you can kill... I don't remember how many elephants, but it was, like, a lot of elephants. <laughs> With just one of them? With just one frog. Yeah. Um, it's like there's a puffer fish off the coast of Japan. I'm gonna it's Google delicacy it. delicacy, too, and that will just straight up kill you unless it's prepared properly. I'm gonna Google it before this episode is over. Like, I don't know if we just want to type, like, most poisonous frog in Amazon jungle. I can't remember. I just remember I learned about it recently, and it was, like, a staggering fact, in my opinion. Um... But yeah, so thankfully she could not catch the frogs that were poisonous. So. Poison dart frogs. That's the one. Poison dart frogs range from the rainforests of Central America to those of the Amazon basin. I'm trying to find uh, where it says how like poisonous how they poisonous are. how poisonous is a poison dart frog. How poisonous are they? Oh, it's funny you say that. That's the name of the article. <laughs> <clears throat> their toxins can prevent an animal's nerves from transmitting impulses, leaving their muscles in an inactive state of contraction, which can lead to fibrillation and heart failure. Um, though it is a mere 5 centimeters long, it has enough poison to kill 10 to 20 adult humans, 20,000 mice, or 2 African bull elephants. Only two micrograms of this lethal toxin, the amount that fits on the head of a pin, is capable of killing a human or even a jaguar. Okay. Frogo. I thought it was more elephants, to be honest, but even Still, two elephants, it's like, if this is a tiny frog... Kermit does not mess around. No. Like, this anyway, frog needs business. I'm sorry for that long segue, but I just remember reading that, that fact and just being mind-boggled. Like, if I touched the surface of a pin... On this frog, I, I would die. Anyway, thankfully, though, things look up. They become more optimistic. Yay! It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> that evening, she finally hears voices, and out of the forest come three lumberjacks. 
I'm just picturing like red plaid shirts, I... magnificent beards. Not Canadian lumberjacks. Always Canadian <laughs> lumberjacks, like axe over the shoulder, wearing okay. like denim jeans or overalls. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, this they're like they're very astonished when they see her. Obviously, I I think I could put two and two together looking at someone who looks so badly injured, but she is like thin and blonde and at first they're thinking of like the lore of the area and they're like it looks like a water goddess called ah. the Yamansha or Yaman Yamansha Yamansha I don't know I don't sure. know I think well if it's if we're correct and it is Spanish then it would be more Yamansha because the J is like a H sound or like a H sound you know what I'm saying um Walk, I have a hard enough time understanding English I Anyway, so that's kind of a funny fact I just thought I'd include, is that they're like, it's a water goddess. Um, but yeah, like, I guess she speaks Spanish, which I don't know if that's her first language, or if she just knows Spanish because it's Peru, and that's where her parents have the research station, and that's where she grew up. But yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, she explains to them in Spanish what happened, um, and they, obviously once they know, they feed her, they treat her wounds, they figure out how to take care of her until they can do something about her. Um, so the next day, they put her in their canoe, and what is unfortunate is that it's a long ride. They take her on a ride down river to get to the lumber station, but it unfortunately takes seven hours to get there. Ooh, well, sucks. I mean, she's been walking through the forest for ten days. What's seven hours yeah, at that point? Really? And at least she has company now. Yes. Human company. Like, human company is... Uh, let's just say it's psychologically beneficial. Yes, very much. Very much so. Um, so from there, from that lumber station, a local pilot takes her to the hospital in his plane. Um, in Gokopa? Gokopa? Sure. Something like that. Um, and <laughs> here is where things... Well. She, well, she's in the hospital. She finds out that her collarbone is broken. She has oh. a torn ACL oh. and a fractured shin. And she's just been... She's just been walking around. Adrenaline through in that. I guess so, hey? But, like, that'd be... I mean, in a weird way, I might be kind of impressed. Like, whoa, really? Wow. That's a lot of stuff that's wrong with me. I've stubbed my toe before (laughs) and felt like I was out for an entire day. Yeah, Like, that I was just wrecked. So. um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The day after she was reunited with her father, I mean, she's been missing for a while, so it must have already been like, on his mind, trying to figure out what was happening, and then as soon as he finds out where she is, he's able to go and meet her. Um, and, like, she... The whole shebang happens. She's interviewed by the Air Force and the police, who then locate the crash site. Um, and this was a devastating crash. Okay. Are you ready? Well, I imagine she's the only survivor. Yes, the crash killed 91 people total, 6 crew members, and 85 of the 86 passengers. Jesus Christ. Yes, her mother included. That would be tough. That'd be very hard. Like, because there is this idea of survivor's guilt. Yes, which I, she experiences, for sure. Yeah, I... It's I, in my notes. I can't imagine. Like, it's not at all her fault. That sounds weird to say, but it's not at all her fault for being the only one who survives. But there's that party that's like, why me? Yeah. Why not everyone else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's... What really sucks, too, is, like, they... they were struggling to find the crash light. Like they, she could hear the planes that whole time. 
circling overhead trying to find them, yeah. um, locate the crash, um, and the, or I guess the police or paramedics or whoever was involved, whoever, um, they think that as many as 14 of the other passengers, including her mother, might have still been alive, like, on the ground. For a little while. For a little oh. while. Um, but obviously, like, if you're badly injured and no one has found you, you know, and it's been 10 days. You're going to succumb to your... Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it sucks. But I think it's an inspiring story on her part, because it's only thanks to the fact that she was able to move and use these survival skills and make it through the situation that, you know, she's that one... They call her the, the miracle passenger, right? Yeah. Like, she's that miracle. I would not have been able to survive. I don't think right so. Now. I don't think I would have either. I think most people would not. It's a lot. There's a lot of good luck, if you want to call it luck, involved in terms of the fact that her parents had this job, and she knew certain things. Um, you know, like I don't know what it would have happened to her arm if she hadn't poured the gasoline on there. Yeah. I don't know what would have happened if she hadn't known to watch for snakes, like one poisonous snake bite, and then she would have been in the same situation as the other passengers. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things that could have happened. So, Although I will say, if her parents didn't have this job, she would never have needed to know those skills because she wouldn't have been on a plane to go visit her dad at this job. Okay, fine. Like, she was very lucky she had all those skills, but if her parents hadn't had that job, she wouldn't have... I'm looking at it in a nice optimistic way, okay? Okay, you do let's, that. Let's end this story <laughs> on positive notes, shall we? I'm always positive. I know some of our other stories have been interesting, but not ended well. Well, here you go. Happy ending. You ready? So she's the miracle passenger, right? So her survival story inspires a lot of people. She starts receiving letters from kids from all around the world, which is really cool. I'd love reading those. Reading you know? letters from kids? Yeah. Like, especially if they had pictures of them, and like, this is where I live, and oh, you're so inspiring, now I want to take a risk in my life and try something new, or, or whatever. Like, I love letters like that. That'd make my day. Um, her, She and her father moved to Germany. She excelled in college, studying zoology, just like her parents, earned a PhD, a documentary was made about her. And in, I believe, 2007, she completed her own autobiography as well. Interesting. So she is doing pretty good for that's, herself. That's not bad. Sounds like she's, uh, you know, surviving. That's not the point. The point is, some people survive, but she went on to thrive. Right? No? <laughs> That was so corny. I thought you were going to say she may have survived, but the point, she learned how to live. There you go. Right? And then just vomit. No! Everywhere, because it's so corny. No! I wasn't going for corny. I was just going for, like, listen, people go through traumatic events, and for them it's just an accomplishment that they have survived. And they just go on with their lives, and the, the only way they know how, sometimes they're just in this state of... Like, I exist. Yeah. You know, I'm here. But for me, what is giving me hope and what I find inspiring is when people can move past that stage of I survived and reach a point of I've I've done something with my life, I've achieved a lot, and I'm continuing to thrive in my life and as a person, even despite all of this. That's what I like. That's fair. That's what I really like. Anyway. And she's 17. 
Why do you guys speak that amount? Or she's not now. But she was. She was. She was 17. Which, I, I don't know. It's really, I find it very fascinating and cool. Sure. I thought it was a very good story. I, 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 don't give me that look. A very good story. She I, survived things I never could. <laughs> I hope our listeners liked it. I liked it. And, uh, yeah, I've, we're halfway through the season now. Are we? Yeah. Damn. And I'm very excited. I want to see what kind of finale we're going to have. Probably the kind where the season ends. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Um. I'm excited for the rest of the season, and I I really do want to start hearing what people want to hear about next. Like, have more votes for upcoming episodes. There's something liberating about me not having to choose the topic. Yeah, you hate choosing things. Like, yeah. I think I think it would be nice to just look on our Patreon every week and say, alright, this is what people pick, that's what we're doing. So that's you know? Wonk's challenge to our listeners. Yeah. And also a, a fantastic segue to kind of remind everyone that we, uh, we're very thankful for you supporting the show, sharing this with your mm-hmm. friends, your family. Yes, regardless of whether you're a patron or not. Yeah, random strangers down the street, the guy you buy a hot dog from every Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Like, you know, just share it where you can. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we do have a Patreon. If, if you want to support us that way, we would appreciate it. We've got some tiers, rewardy stuff. Yes, if you want a mug and Starbucks gift card, that is our prize this month. Not the most exciting prizes, but goddammit, it's... Something. I'm excited to give it away, still. You're excited. Yeah. And we'll give you, once we have a few patrons, shout-outs. Yeah! Be happening. So, yeah, thank you very much for all the support we get. Remember, you need to live, not just survive. And this has been Scoff and Wonk. Signing off. I stole your line. <laughs> I stole it. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. Bye. Bye.